All right, listeners, I hope this finds you well. Uh, we're going to move on to another topic today. And in the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, there's several chapters that I discuss the importance of providing feedback, either in the form of praise or criticism or what I tend to call performance feedback. I know it's in Chapter 7 where we talk about leading down and developing and coaching sailors and our reliefs. And then I also hit it in Chapter 8, which talks about the Chief Petty Officer's Mess and the attributes of strong Chief Petty Officer's Mess. And I think this concept of giving feedback and being able to hold each other accountable to professional and personal standards is a theme that you'll hear throughout the podcast. And I know I've touched on this in other episodes. It's important enough that I want to bring a new perspective that I've learned. So with me today to discuss this from this other perspective is Mass Chief Nathan Rose. Nate's been in the Navy for 25 years and he hails from Tyler, Texas. He is a fire controlman by trade, career small boy sailor with tours on the USS Hewitt, USS Steenham, USS Leyte Gulf, and USS Michael Murphy. He's also served as a maintenance manager, an instructor, and he spent all of 2009 in Mosul, Iraq as a site lead for Joint Crew Composite Squadron 1 doing counter improvised explosive device operations. And he currently serves as a facilitator at the U.S. Navy Senior Enlisted Academy, and he's done that for the last two years. And he also has an associate's degree from Coastline Community College. Nate, good morning, and welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. Uh, good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right. Awesome. I appreciate you taking some time, and I always think it's great to get the perspective. You know, I had Mass Chief Laura Stout on. Uh, I've had Mass Chief Rich Kurz, who was a prior director up there. I've had several senior enlisted academy uh, guests because I think you, you have great theoretical approaches. You also put it into practical context, and then you get a lot of feedback from those chief petty officers that are going through the course, not just chiefs. There's Marines and uh, actually all services that can come through there. So I think you're going to be able to offer something, and uh, at least I'm going to pick your brain on a lot of things. So uh, you heard my introduction, and you know when we were teeing up a concept of a discussion, you introduced me to the approach of feedback uh, in a video called Radical Candor, and I think this is a topic you guys get into up there at the Senior Enlisted Academy. So I watched the video, found it insightful, uh, but I'd like to start by explaining to listeners more about this topic and why it's so important to you. Yeah, this is uh, something that we introduced into the last uh, curriculum update that we just did, topic leading with feedback. Okay. Um, it's in, it's important to me because communication is important to me in the military as a whole. And like you said, uh, we, we do talk to the Coast Guard, the Air Force, uh, the Marines, and to foreign navies as well. And communication is probably one of the most important topics to me anyway as we go forward as a military. Okay. Um, and the ability to, to give feedback properly. And that's what we're talking about with radical candor, but also receive feedback. Uh, when we, when we're able to receive feedback, we're going to be able to teach more to it and make ourselves more approachable. So that's why the topic is uh, so important to me. Okay. As we see a lot of things that come out with leadership, we have quadrants here. You know, we have our two axes. Uh, the first one is care personally. And that's very simply what it says. It's just that we care on a personal level. And that doesn't just have to mean that we care about the person that we're giving this uh, feedback to, this uh, praise or criticism like you talked about earlier, but maybe about the organization or the topic as well. And then after that is challenged directly. And sometimes people might say, you know, hey, you're challenging me. And we're not and it's not really talking about that. It's just talking about getting to the point instead of dancing around it. Yeah. So those are your two axes there. Okay. Um, yeah. I love how they, you know, we talked briefly before we started recording was many of these, you know, 
management theories and approaches take this quadrant approach, right? So even situational leadership that I talk about, right? There's four quadrants there that you find yourself. So I think, you know, and I'll put this video in the episode description as well, but I think it just really helps people create a, a visual or a mental framework to orient themselves of where they're at and hopefully where they can move and improve skills. So I love that approach. Definitely. And, you know, after it's uh, split up into the four quadrants, uh, of course, we're going to have the, the namesake of, of radical candor. And that's where you are caring personally and challenging directly. That's where we want to hit. That's that sweet spot. We want to we want to be hitting up in that quadrant. OK, when you uh, don't care personally or definitely don't seem to care personally, but you're challenging directly, that's in that quadrant, they call it obnoxious aggression, which in and of itself is uh, just sounds terrible right yeah. off the bat. And uh, they they coined it as boss hole to make it a <laughs> to make it a boss little bit hole. nicer. Uh, yeah, that's right? a new one. Yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, when when you don't seem to care personally and you don't challenge directly, that's in the, the manipulative insincerity quadrant. And that's really what the overall point of that is when you were a kid and your your mom told you to apologize to your brother or your sister and you apologize, but you didn't really mean it because you didn't really care yeah. at all. Um, and then the last quadrant is where you're caring personally, but you're not challenging directly. And that's ruinous empathy. This is you're playing the nice guy. You, you really like the person. And we'll get to some examples of that later on. Okay. Specific examples for the military, but you listen to what they're saying, but you don't really fix it. So you're not really fixing the issue as it stands because you're not, you're not willing to challenge that person directly. Okay. So those are the four quadrants as they stand in the two axes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I see this as foundational just to reflect on this topic for being able to provide coaching, performance feedback, because ultimately, like you said, that leads to personal and organizational growth and improvement. And that's what we should be about. So I love these two uh, major areas. I love how uh, she broke it out in the video. So let's talk about, uh, let's get into the first one. Let's talk a little bit about caring personally, and then we'll get into the ability and willingness to challenge directly. What enables this environment of the delivery and receipt of criticism and praise? And then how do you know it's there and why it's important? Okay. Well, I, I would start off by saying we have to, we have to foster that environment, right? We have to set, we have to set expectations that this is, this is how things are going to happen. You know, this is, this is the way we are going to operate as an organization, whether it's, you know, your divisional level, your departmental level, or even at the command, depending on, you know, what your leadership level is at the time. Yeah. Let's pause there yeah. because I think it's an important area, right? So just because, you know, many times I, find people waiting for organizational solutions or higher level leaders to set the conditions. But in the case of this, right, the individual can set this for the scope of responsibility they have. So if you're a divisional leader or a small team leader, you could be a leading deck seaman, you could be a commanding officer, a fleet mass chief, a commander, you can shape your own piece of this. So you touched on that point again, but uh, I think that's important to, for people to know is just don't wait for someone to set the conditions for you when we get into these topics, reflect on them today and then execute in your own sphere of influence. Exactly. And this is, and, and this, you know, particular kind of feedback, you know, you can implement it any time. Okay. And then the important part is, you know, obviously once you say it, that you actually do it. Yep. That's the biggest part of disclosure is actually what your actions actually are. Not what you say. I mean, I can say all day, I'm going to take care of my sailors, but then if I don't, they're going to know that. 
Yeah, and we're putting this again, that's one of those mantras, hey, take care of sailors, but this is literally one of the tactics you use to do that is providing straight up radical candor and praise and criticism. You know, the leader has to set it, you know, they have to care, they have to be willing to challenge directly. Let me back up because when you were talking through the four quadrants, when you're facilitating this discussion, I know it's relatively new. Where do you think most which quadrant are most people in? Is it spread out equally? Do military audiences or people in a cheese mess tend to find themselves in one quadrant or another, or is it just dependent on the environment they're in? With the experience that I have, that most of us are in two quadrants Okay, a majority of the time. And I would say those are ruinous empathy and the obnoxious aggression. Okay. You know, we tend to be the, you know, sometimes the shouters, you know, that obnoxious aggression. We're just out there uh, barking the orders and, and giving people the criticism without ever showing them that we're caring. And then on the other side, we have the part where we don't want to engage in conflict with certain people. And that may be in the mess or maybe, you know, where I've seen it personally the most is at the LPO level to where you're, you're a little bit closer to that person. And so you're not willing to necessarily give them that good direct challenge to get better yeah. because you, you care for them a little bit too much. So I, I find that we mostly sit in those two quadrants as, okay. as a whole. Gotcha. Uh, so how do I know what are these kind of indicators that I'm in on a team or I'm leading a team where I'm in the radical candor section? When you're getting more of that feedback from your sailors, whether they're junior or say, uh, senior to you, um, whether you know they are that you are approachable and that they're willing to come to you and actually tell you some some hard, honest truths about the way things are being run or maybe even about yourself. When they come and tell you, you know, hey, Mass Chief, I can't find the paint to paint the fantail, I would say that that leads to them being more, you being more approachable because otherwise it might take you going out there and finding out that they couldn't find the paint because they're not meeting your timelines. Okay. For example, you know, you, you can give the feedback all you want. You can get, you know, you can give it forward, but then actually getting it is when I think you're going to see that this is actually happening. Yeah. And I want to make that point here, right? So I I talk often about leading up, down, and across. So the feedback just isn't from supervisor to follower or leader to follower. The feedback's in all no. three directions. So as command mass chief, you know, my boss expected me to have radical candor. I I should have cared about my command and my boss's success and I should have had the willingness to challenge them directly in the right way. Because my yeah. boss expected that and knew that when that's delivered in the right way, that helps decision making and that helps the commander or the fleet or whatever level of the unit be better. Uh, you can use this leading across like we talked about. So peer to peer in the cheese mess, one of the attributes of a positive or a strong cheese mess is that self-accountability, the ability to challenge each other directly in the best interest to protect the reputation and legacy of not just the cheese mess, but of the command and the Navy at large. Uh, so that ability to challenge each other personally and professionally to the betterment of the individual chief and the group is important. And then obviously leading down. But then to your point, as a leader, being able to receive it, not just on work stuff, but on your performance in general. And we'll, she touched that a bit. And I want to offer some uh, some of my personal experiences here in a little bit about how I try to foster that on one of my tours. So, you know, we see it. We see it's there. If it's not there or if I'm a new leader who wants to get in there, in the video, she talks about this four-step process of how to start moving people towards radical candor. Um, she talked about you know providing impromptu guidance, working to eliminate backstabbing, making it easier to speak truth to power. Can you touch on each of those and how and give some advice to the listeners on those? 
For sure, for sure. Uh, the first one she talked about, uh, definitely impromptu and guidance, which is, which is very simple is don't beat around the bush. Uh, you know, don't, don't go around the subject. Be able to just go into the situation and speak what you're talking about. I think we find ourselves doing this sometimes once again with our peers, just like you, you talked about and also are the people that are closest to us in the leadership model. Okay. So we talk around things where we're not willing to just go ahead and say, you know, you are really messing up right now. Yeah. Instead, we want to, you know, we want to circle around and make it sound nice and flowery. But if we just get to the point, it's going to make the subject hit a lot harder. But if, you know, they're going to feel it and know that you're not dancing around the point. Yeah. That makes, that's that impromptu guys that, that, and that makes it in more feeling to me as well when it, when it comes, when they hit you straight in the gut. But they're doing it because they care personally about something in, in that particular subject. Yeah. And this uh, is kind of the, the leader huddling the team up, right? And going, Hey, Here's how we're going to communicate, right? We're going to be open and radical, right? So setting the conditions straight up front, huddle your team. Right. If you want radical candor, you need to come straight out. Um, you need to state that you value it, what you believe about it, and that, hey, we're going to care personally and we're going to have an environment and I want one where we challenge each other, other directly. So I think first of all is just kind of stating it and giving that impromptu guidance. Right. And I think the biggest part that we have a problem with is as chief petty officers, as senior leaders in the Navy, is that how do we show that we care? Okay. Right? So, uh, especially to the junior sailors, uh, it's going, it's difficult for us to break away from the rigid rank structure and say, you know, you know, I care about you actually. Yeah. So how, how do we portray that without also then showing some kind of favoritism? That's where I find that difficulty lies. Okay. How about the next one? Eliminating backstabbing. Yeah, uh, making backstabbing impossible. I and it's it's funny. I was thinking about this last night, and there was a, a company, and and I cannot remember the name of the company, uh, but that we actually went to that was talking about is that feedback app. Yeah, they they came out and they actually would fire people for if they found out that they were talking about people behind their back. Okay. Which I, I thought was uh, very interesting. But really here we're, we're talking about encouraging any violators of this to, to just get together and talk it out. But on top of that, besides them talking it out, handling it in their informal resolution type manner, right? We're also offering any sort of assistance if they can't work it out. We're not just saying, Hey, you guys go figure it out and not giving them any tools. We're saying, Hey, go figure it out. But if you need more help, uh, somebody is going to be here to give you some assistance to work this out. And she gives an example in the video of how, in some cases, if they can't, then the leader or the manager has to step in and help facilitate that face-to-face -face resolution. Exactly, exactly. They're giving them that tools that, you know, hey, if, if you can't figure it out, I'm going to help you figure it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about this kind of why a culture of backstabbing could be there, because I think that gets back into that conflict avoidance and this tendency to go towards passive aggressive kind of a behavior. So, all right. The third one was the ease of speaking truth to power. What's your thoughts on that one? Right. Um, and that, and that goes to what we've mentioned a couple of times is just ensuring there's an open environment for feedback. And when we talk to, when we talk to our sailors and when we talk to our leaders that is that we require changes. And then when those changes are made that we actually communicate them out to everyone okay. and not just keep it close hold. Yep. So that's the biggest part of making it easier for everybody to know that 
when truth is being spoken, it's going to be put out to everyone. Yeah. Uh, so a couple examples I've got here when you're talking about making it easier for your organization, right? Because you want to unleash what's going on, right? So the people that are doing the tasks day to day that are on the end user of the policy or the process, right? They're the ones in the best position to tell you where it's hitting as intended, whether it's off course, right? And Jim Honey and I, uh, Fleet, just did a whole episode of the management process and we talked about being able to assess that. And a big part of that is getting feedback from the team, right? So I see this as more in the leading up direction as a young sailor or a young technician or whatever it is. A couple examples, right? So when I was on USS Juno as Command Mass Chief, and I didn't find, you know, kind of start doing this probably till the last third of my tour, but I found that we had the CO suggestion box, so stuff would come up, right? So one thing we did was, you know, we would praise people publicly, right? And then we would formally acknowledge that, hey, great input, in cases where we couldn't adjust, we would commanding officer right on the one MC would just explain why we couldn't, but we that didn't mean we wouldn't continue to pursue how we could do it, right? So just responding to the feedback to the broader command, and fortunately on a ship, you've got the one MC that you can notify everyone, and then praising right. the people for their feedback was one example. And then I started going down a way to assess or get feedback, right? Because most, you know this, right? Most sailors don't want to give that direct feedback and go tell their chief where they think they're all messed up. So as command exactly. mass chief, I used to break the ship down into divisions, right? And then I would just, like she references in the video, you know, the chief wasn't in there, the LPO or the division officer weren't in there. And I would just very casually and informally meet with the division in their setting, in their spaces. And I would just tee up some stuff. You know, sometimes it could be, hey, what... What do you think about Chow? What do you think about this policy? What do you think about career development boards? And then at the end, I would always ask, what advice or what feedback can I give to your leadership? It unlocked a lot of feedback, right? And then I would take that feedback. Obviously, if it was policy related, I could bring that right up to either the department head or the executive officer or the CEO and explain how, hey, we need to make this adjustment, especially, you know, maybe one division would give me something. But if I heard it across several you know, then I saw a trend and I knew we had to make a big policy adjustment. So definitely the executive level leader leadership appreciated that. And then again, we would make that feedback very apparent over the 1MC and other things. But then the feedback I got on the divisional leadership, you know, I would just bring them in, you know, into my office and, you know, there's no names associated, right? right? So I removed the, the kind of fear of retribution thing and I put in very productive terms and said, hey, here, and I always ask for, Give me three good things that they're doing and three things they need improvement. And I found that that feedback that I was giving was well accepted by the chiefs, the division officers, and the LPOs. It just started to create this climate of where sailors felt their voice was being advocated for. And I don't know if it it unlocked you know face-to-face feedback, but um, I thought that was uh, something that I found useful and I would offer as a model that people can use. But it's also highlighted in the video. I have seen this before, and the other cool thing about about uh, the CMC doing this is that now that divisional leadership, usually from you know my experience, what I've seen is that they'll go and take that back and they'll go back to their divisions and they'll say, hey, you know, you didn't have to wait for this meeting with the CMC to say that. You could have brought this up earlier. So they're fostering a, you know, a divisional feedback session where, you know, hey, come talk to us before this you know, before it gets to where you, it's something that you need to see the talk to the CNC about. Absolutely. You know, and I've talked several times, I talk always about the importance of your, your competence and your character, right? Those, the expert and personal power bases, those are the two that really give you credibility and trust. So on the character side, it's not just being a person of justice and all these things, but one of the attributes is this 
willingness and openness and this caring piece, right? So that's this discussion even ties into building and reinforcing that personal power base. They see a person who cares and who is willing to receive their feedback in a very neutral way and allow them to challenge directly. But, you know, the sailors need to understand, hey, I'm going to challenge you back as well for the betterment of the team and the individual. So I think that we come back to those core things. And then number four, she talked about put your oxygen mask on first. Uh, what's that all about? That's simply, and it's something that we often fail at as senior leaders across the board is if, if you can't, you can't care about others if you don't care for yourself. Okay. So we got to make sure that we take the time out for ourselves or any kind of mental respite, you know, get in there and, you know, whether it's go home and play some video games or that physical exertion, go out and, and get a good run in or get a good workout in, whatever it may be. We also, we have to shut our switch off to work and we have to work on ourselves when that can be your family, you know, like I said, physical, mental, spiritual health, whatever realm that falls into that you need to work on. You need to do that first because if you don't take care of yourself, then it's going to be really hard for you to take care of the people that work for you. That whole chapter in the Chief Petty Officer's Guide on Leading Self is all about this, right? Is people yeah. want more on that. They can read that chapter and the, the concepts, the four quadrants, right? Leading mentally, spiritually, physically, and socially. So, and then also working on, I get some feedback from time to time, you know, not just on the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, but leadership in general. Some people have this attitude of like, so once you're a chief, you know it all, right? There's no reason to go back and reflect. Obviously, you're successful. Good luck with that attitude, right? So I think this is part yeah. of taking care of yourself is, you don't even know sometimes you might be successful, but because your sailors haven't been, you know, giving you that feedback, um, you could be laying waste in attitudes and causing damage to the organization and you think you're doing a great job. So that's a part of this whole leading self is being able to take time and reflect and get that feedback on your own impacts to organizational effectiveness. Exactly. Uh, so let's get into these two attributes. So let's talk about caring personally first. So why, why do people not do that or why do they avoid it or where do you think the, how can people improve in caring personally? Why why we don't do it is once again going back to what I previously said about the that junior sailor to senior sailor relationship. Okay. We talk about fraternization often, right? And you know, it can be hard for us to figure out where that line is and say, Okay, you know, I I really care about you and this is why I'm saying it, but I also don't want to make it to where I have some kind of relationship that I'm not supposed to have with you. So I think that's where a lot of our hard, you know, lines come from when we're as senior enlisted leaders is why we have a hard time showing that we care personally. And then also, you know, we grow up with this feeling that, you know, I have to be the boss. I have to do this emotionlessly. You know, I have to put myself out there and not show any kind of emotion. So I'm just going to challenge people directly and be that bossle, you know, that they refer to in the video. Okay. So I think that's where, where our lines get hard to cross over and show exactly, hey, FC1 or FC2, I care about you, but in a, just in a professional way, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Situational leadership model here. Uh, so there's the one-on-one, but then there's the if I'm in the directing phase, right, and I'm just giving direction, you know, and I'm not taking a lot of feedback into the process because, you know, my team's just learning or, you know, I don't have confidence in their abilities or their willingness to do tasks, it could come across right. very directive. And, but again, you can take time in that leadership to style and go, hey, 
I'm giving direction because I care about the outcome and I care about your development. At the same time, you know, you get into coaching and supporting. Those two styles should definitely show them that you care, right? Because you're giving feedback and those two definitely involve feedback and support of the team. And then even with delegating, right? Once you've got a team that's highly capable and willing, maturity and willingness are high, you delegate and you let them go to the task, but it's still good to follow up and engage and they want to know that you see what they're doing because that shows you care. So some cases, you don't have to say anything, just your presence uh, and a good attitude to watch them and then giving a little praise when they're doing things well matters. So even from the situational leadership approach, you can show that you care. To your point, to what extent do I wonder in military audiences, do people buy into a mindset or a belief that I've got to be tough, I can't be soft, and caring is one of those soft belief systems? What What are your thoughts on that? I definitely think it's there because because I've seen it and been there personally when I was a young chief. Uh, and you nailed it on the head when you said presence does a whole lot for you, right? It, it, it shows that you care and they're going to see that, you know, whether it's just, you know, when you got a one late night on the ship and you order pizza for the division or something, they're going to see it. You don't necessarily have to say it. Yeah. But when when you give that praise, sometimes we take the mindset of, hey, this is their job. And it's something that I've done before and I didn't get praise for it. So I'm not going to give any praise for it either. Yeah. When it's as simple, especially with this newer generation to just say, Hey, you know, you guys did an awesome job. Maybe possibly if you can come up with some kind of reward for it, whether it be some time off or, you know, some pennies for the division or something like that. Yeah. And we talked about that in the episode. I did an episode with, uh, Coast Guard Chief Petty Officer Phil Knoll, who runs a podcast and we talked about reward power and praise was the, I mean, it's free. And it's available. And we talked a bit there about yeah. why people avoid giving that. So if you're interested in my thoughts there, go check out that episode. All right, let's get in the next one. This willingness or unwillingness to challenge people directly. Again, a topic I discussed with, uh, you know, retired flea mash April Beldo in a section on accountability. Let's get into that. So this is where I think you get into conflict avoidance, right? So what are the root causes yeah. or the risks that people think or think about when they avoid conflict or want to go to passive aggressiveness or ruinous empathy, I guess. Ruinous empathy. Yes. So what leads us to want to avoid challenging directly? Well, I think that's uh, also just part of our growing up. You know, we can, we can be that obnoxious, aggressive person, especially in a group session. But when it comes down to individuals, a lot of times, you know, you, you just don't want to challenge that person directly. You know, you want that passive aggressive. So you might say things that are, that are not direct and to the point, you know, we discussed earlier. And I, you see it when you're in one on one situations. And then you also see it in my experience in peer to peer relationships as well. Because, you know, you, you have another chief or senior chief or mass chief uh, that works for you at the command, works with you at the command. And, you know, you want to say some things to them, but then you also know that it's going to create some conflict. So you just steer away from it. Yeah. You know, and, and that conflict avoidance, just like you said. And uh, one of my examples that I wrote down here was uh, a lot of times where I've seen it is in midterms, midterm counseling, whether it be with your LPO or your division chiefs, if you're a departmental LCPO, um, and even... You know, possibly upwards at the, uh, you know, CO, CMC level when you're, when you're doing your midterm counseling for your chiefs, they don't want to get down and to the point. They'll make, you'll come out of it possibly feeling like you walk on, you know, roses, but they actually don't like you at all, yeah. really. And, and they, and they don't like the job that you're doing. 
but they don't want to have any conflict, whether it be, you know, possibly a semio survey com- uh, comment or that that person decides that they're going to argue back on, on the points. So that's where I really see us avoiding conflict and, you know, not challenging people directly. Okay. Yeah. And I probably could do a whole episode on this and I will actually, because it's <laughs> such a big deal, right? Because we could talk forever. Because you know, I've, I've had my own struggles with this from time to time as a young leader and even in personal, because this just isn't work stuff. This is in your personal relationships too, whether you're a parent, a spouse, you know, a partner, whatever it is. Um, so I think a part of it is what you saw growing up, right? Modeling, you model the behaviors and the conflict resolution skills you saw. So some of those could be conflict avoidant. Some of those could have been you have parents that were overbearing and and didn't let you have any say into it, right? So I think you grow up thinking like, hey, my job is just to listen and I don't offer anything back. But, you know, and like I said, that's all your prior experience. So I think if people find themselves initially as they're assessing their behavior in these quadrants, go back to how you were brought up and kind of how that shaped your attitude and your and your approach to conflict. I think to your point, we don't want to hurt feelings in some cases, just personally. Yeah. But I think to your point too, people consider the cost to their career. So, hey, if I lean in too much, right, I'm not confident in my own skills that I'm providing solid feedback in a professional way, right? And if you know how to do that, right, and this is one of the reasons we have these conversations, if you're doing it right, you don't have to worry about the process like the grievance or the simia because even if they gets filed, as long as you're doing it right, that will come back uh, and, it, and it'll quickly reveal itself. It's more on the receiver, the feedback than the deliverer. So, or perhaps, you know, as command mass chief, you know, do I want to challenge the system directly and become known as the shit stirrer? Because next thing you know, I won't get put in for that next job that leads to force flea mass chief or, into, you know, allows me to go beyond 30 years. So I think people right. really do this calculus about their career and their willingness to challenge directly. And I see that, frankly, on the Naval Institute side with where I try to encourage people to write. You know, because that's a form of feedback and challenging directly, and it shows you care. So, again, this doesn't have to be face to face, but you could bring this into how you write and do articles to challenge, you know, organizational process and policy. But I think those are the reasons why we avoid those things. We've covered some good stuff here. I think we've hit the meat of this. Like I said, the video, I'm going to post that as well. So that's another resource. And obviously, anyone who's going to go to the Senior Enlist Academy as a student is going to get exposed to this more. But I think it's good that we can have this discussion and get this out. Anything else you want to offer on this topic? Parting shots? Definitely recommend that people get out and read the book, uh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh, she's uh, one of the co-founders of this idea. And you know, if you don't have time to read the book, uh, you can. There's a ton of videos on YouTube where Kim Scott mainly is going through this. There's a couple of real short ones, and then there's upwards of the ones like I sent you that was 20 minutes. Um, I saw I saw another one yesterday that was 40 minutes long. It was more of an interview type style, and it really gets to the meat of the subject. And hopefully, you know, after looking at this, you know, and the more people that we reach, we can start using this communication format a little more and make it pervasive in, in the military and just make communication better, both up and down the chain of command. All right, Nathan, thanks again for taking time to join me on the Cutlass Podcast to introduce us to this concept and then to challenge us to care personally and be able to challenge more directly to improve our teams and our and our people. So good luck to you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk on the podcast. Well, that's it for another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we discussed today or in other episodes, as always, you can check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or the other resources I'm going to list in the episode description that we've talked about. To provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, 
Feel free to email me at cutlessleadership at gmail.com and make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your podcast channel. Like it, share it, get the word out. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you learn and become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who dares to make a positive difference. Thank you.